Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. A couple of weeks ago, we heard from a panel of experts on the ECT webinar who were chatting about reduced tillage systems and grass weed control. Last week, the second in the series of the webinar was aired. This episode focused on black grass control and how farmers were coping with the problems on farm. And we also heard from two ECT focused farmers about their experiences operating non-plow-based systems. Gary Culligan, a farmer from Loud who's practicing no-till system, gave his perspective on how to get the best from the system. And Michael Grace from North Kildare shared his experiences using a strip-till system. Both of these farms participated in an excellent questions and answer session, which is worth listening to again. Shay Phelan, a tillage specialist in Oak Park, chaired the questions and answer session. And in the first part was joined by Jimmy Staples, the ECT project advisor, Ivan Whitten, a tillage advisor in Kildare, and Michael Grace, the ECT farmer from Kildare. She first asked Michael, what was the biggest obstacles when converting from a plow-based system to a strip-till system? Well, it's not easy to establish crops in wet weather, but that aside, because we went from maybe 70% of one crop, which was wheat, to uh, spreading out the workload throughout the year with with a rotation, um, it kind of has balanced out. I, I, I wouldn't... Yes, there was ups and downs, but I, I don't look at it that way anymore. It's, it's just a different, completely different way of, of, of operating now and uh, compared to what we used to do. And in, ter- in terms of that, I mean, flexibility is probably the, the key thing that you have to. So have you fixed, uh, you talked to Ivan there about your rotation, but it, it does have to be flexible given the system you're in. Would that be fair to say? It, it does, yeah. No, you can't, um, you can't set it in stone. You have to be able to... To, to change plans at, at short notice, maybe, or or maybe leave it leave, leave a field until the until the springtime if if if, if weather's not right because uh, there is a downside. It's not as forgiving as, as maybe a plow system. And if you get wet conditions after sowing, um, it's fairly tolerant. Now, don't get me wrong, but it it, it can it can uh, it, it it can leave you with patchy fields. So we've kind of learned over the years what you can and can't get away with, and um, so you just have to be yeah a little bit flexible and. and yeah, so it's more of a system approach rather than just um, um, a, a fix, fixating on anything, be it the drill, be it the rotation. So you have to be a bit more flexible, I suppose, than, than you people would be in a plow-based system, I suppose. Yeah. Also, if you if, if, if a crop uh, ends up with a heavy infestation of broom or something, you kind of have to plan your next crop around it. It does happen parts of fields, maybe. That's, um, it's still happening. You know, you, you, you think you're getting on top of it in the field and just whatever, mother nature just surprises you then and, and you have you know if you don't get around to rogan everything you might have to change your change your plans that way too so yeah and can i just ask you jimmy the kind of some something similar around that i mean you're advising all the farms on the ect project and is it something that you're seeing that some are, are people more are too fixated on the establishment system rather than the practices that are involved with each of the different establishment systems yeah, I think it's sort of a question I get an awful lot is, you know, what's the best way? Like, should I be plowing or should I be using a cultivator or what should I be doing? And I think people do get a little bit hung up on the machinery side of things and, and how do I go about cultivating or whatever. Like, uh, I think a lot of it comes back to what Michael is saying. It's like to, to getting rotation right, getting your soil fertility right, getting all those different management aspects of your of your system in place and getting them right. They're far more important than actually maybe fixating. Obviously, you have to get a crop established and you need to get a good crop established in order to make a few pounds. But 
I think there's a lot more to it than just than just the establish just the actual how you're establishing your crop. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and Ivan, just quickly coming to you uh, in terms of your region in Arkelair, are are grass weeds more prominent? Do you think, or are guys getting on top of it? Do you think over the last number of years? Jay, I suppose the farmers that have oilseed rape and beans in a rotation, they're helping to actually spread the workload and stay on top of grassweed issues. But where we're on heavy ground and uh, continuous weeds, gra- grass weeds in particular, brome can be, and still is an issue out there. So look, but year on year, look, depends on the year and depends on the percentage uh, of winter cereals it's got in in the back end, and particularly winter wheat, where you have brome an issue like where you have you can get pre-emergence in there and then come back in the in the spring then with Broadway Star or Pacifica to try and tidy up that brome if there's a problem. I suppose look, looking forward, uh, hybrid rye has been brought into the equation there in Orkildare as well, along with oilseed rape and beans. So that would be a help because you can use Broadway Star there in the spring to control the brome as well. So, so it's, it's rotation is allowing yeah. you more options as well, isn't it? Yeah, flexibility. Mm, yeah, and coming back to you, Michael. I mean, you made the point there when I even asked you the question about uh, your use of herbicides, and you were kind of saying that you know you use pre-emerge and post-emerge, but you wouldn't rely exclusively on herbicide control. You're using other measures, and the 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 arable margin is one. And you're you, is it fair to say you're happy with the, the arable margin? The other measure control measures you're putting in place. Now, the arable margin has worked well. I um. You know, I never had one before. I I, I was in the project, and uh, it just keeps the it, when you, once you top it, it keeps the broom is always kind of in the ditch and that, and it just keeps it away from the crop. Um, kind of it's much easier to keep a headland clean. I feel, particularly if you have a problem, I'd recommend it. I'd recommend anyone giving it give it a go. I know it takes up a bit of a bit of you know it takes up productive land. Um, but I uh, I I wouldn't go back now. I I'd keep the one I have and probably saw more. That's my plan. And I mean, you, you top it continuously then during the summer, I presume, and stop seed return going to those areas, I presume. Um, I would top it maybe every month this time of this time of year. Um, you know, when the growth is at its heaviest. But yeah, you try to try to stop uh, the, the the grass seeding out. Jimmy, just coming back to you then as well. Um, from the point of view of of the different control measures, should guys be out there trying to identify? grass weeds now or when is the best time to try and identify the grass weeds and put put, put uh, control strategies in place yeah i think now is a great time because the heads would be out on on all these grasses and, and generally they're going to be above the crop regardless of whether you have a winter barley or winter wheat or what it is and it's a great time because when they're headed out it's probably the easiest time to control them um you still have control options with some of them like rogan and things like that are there where you have where you have small small numbers, we're all going to is some of the best time and the best money you can spend because it'll prevent seed return, which is which is key to prevent these from being problem being problems going on forward. So, um, I suppose just something I've noticed this year, and I've been in crops, particularly winter barley, where the final spray has gone on and, and the gate is closed. And maybe lads have been in the crops in the weeks, and I've I've come across cases where you're finding canary grass shooting up above it and things like that. And and, and this time is really important time to get back into crops. Don't just close the gate once the once the work is finished. Walking your crops at this time of the year, coming up to harvest time, can be some of the best time you'll spend in your crops. And are are guys finding difficulty identifying the different weeds? And if they are, what can they do? 
Yeah, sure. Look, some of them are took took me took me a long time. There's so many of them out there as well. It took me a while to get my head around it too. Um, and there's a lot of difference, not just brome and wild oats. Like there's there's there's, there's canary grass, black grass, rasthel fescue. There's oh, look, I could go on and on. Um, there's some great uh, information online now. We've we've produced a series of videos which which will help people to identify them as well. And there's some great resources in the UK as well. Uh, some of the websites have have really good material on on grass weed identification, so they're worth looking at. In the next part, Shay and Jimmy was joined by John Brophy, a tillage advisor in Loud, and Garrett Culligan, the ECT focus farmer from Loud. Shay first asked Garrett about the main challenges he encountered when changing to a no-till system. Look, uh, patience. Uh, you just have to wait for the right conditions to get the drill out, and that was at the start. But then <clears throat> system, uh, the whole management of it was uh, a whole different learning curve. You couldn't just go out and... Yeah, when you had a proper rotation, uh, things are very easy. That were easier to to walk. Like you couldn't just every at the start we were going around and we were saying, look, if you had a good year winter barley, you grow another crop of winter barley. We'd often three crops of winter barley in a row, and it, look, that's what led to we had more sterile brome coming into the farm because of a bad rotation. So you had to look at the whole system with five years. A six year rotation and that's it was down to management that really changed a lot of things that helped with a lot of the problems on the farm so. you were saying and i think again it's probably a mistake a lot of people tend to make is that when they change system they just look at the drill only but you're making the point there that uh, conservation tillage really it's a three-legged stool you're looking at the establishment system you're looking at catch crops and you're looking at rotation and they kind of go hand in hand and without one i think the whole thing would it be fair to say would fall down yeah, look, we weren't using cover crops either at the start, and that when we added the cover crops, we started with just winter cover crops, and then later on when we moved to no-till, we were putting in summer cover crops. And look, at in an ideal world, I'd love to have all, uh, after the combine left the field, we'd love to have all the fields sown with the summer cover crop, and it leaves you with more flexibility on what you can do. It keeps the ground covered, so it's easier to change, change the rotation then once you have a, a cover crop in the ground. But... That was uh, one of the biggest changes, just going cover crops. Again, yeah, sorry. sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the cover crop, like, at the start, we weren't cutting back on inputs, which we were spending a little bit more on weed control at the start because we weren't, we had enough experience on how to handle simple meadow grasses at the start and then sterile roam then later on after a couple of years of bad rotation. So when, when we got into no-till then, when we started moving less soil, We'd, we'd spectrum changed, we had less sterile brome, we'd more willow herb, like, and then as Jimmy was saying, the rat's tail fescue there has come in now, it's not too bad yet, but you just have to be aware of it. But I think in the next couple of years, we are going to see a change in the weed spectrum on the farm, and just to be aware of it, and not to cut back an input straight away, just do it gradually, that's what we're doing over the years. Yeah, and I suppose your use of cover crops is something that's uh, that's fundamental to the to the whole system up there, and it's kind of at odds to what some people have done who are in Gloss who are planting the cover crop just before the closing date of the fifteenth of September. You see them, and and the guys in Base Ireland, I suppose it's fair to say, see them as a key tool, and you're trying to get them established as early as as possible after after harvest. Yeah, look at the area you can get them in. Winter barley's great. You're in. You're cutting your barley on the 20th of uh, July, get the straw off. You'll have a cover crop in before August. And like that's a perfect place for a summer cover crop. You'll get two months of cover in the ground. 
like it is hard to justify a cover crop, a summer cover crop. Like you can spend up to 30 euro an acre on seeds. We've gone down to 8 euro an acre with the summer cover crops, just low rates of most of the area you go, the lower the seed rate you can get away with. Look at it, is it cut? We've often went to three kilos of mustard in a mix. Like it's very little, but it does cover the ground. Mm. Two, two, quick, two quick questions on that, Garrett, as well. In terms of sowing those cover crops, number one, do you bale or chop the straw? Which does that allow you in earlier? And secondly, what do you, what system do you use to, to sow the cover crops? I'll answer the second question. Sorry, the CO4 drill is what we have on the farm for doing min-till and no-till, and it sows the cover crops as well in the no-till. I think if we sow the cover crops with, in the no-till, uh, it's easier. Look at less diesel and your soil structure, you're not ripping up the ground. Your soil structure is there. You're not getting a massive flush of weeds and the cover crop is able to hold them out. So you don't, sometimes when we were ripping the ground too much, it actually uh, happened one year, we had to go in with a graminicide and a cover crop because there was that much sterile growing. So it's just to get, when you have a nice, uh, the, less, the less you move the clay, the less weeds you will have. And do you chop the straw? Yes, chopped, look, we would have chopped a lot of straw over the years. Again, rotation. It was some of the wet years, we would have chopped most of the straw on the farm. Uh, we do have a good market for straw, but I was saying, like, if straw is what, if I'm not getting 60 euro an acre into the hand, definitely chop it. And now this year, that'll change with the ch straw chopping scheme. It's tricky, like, when, if we're showing out rate, uh, chopped straw isn't ideal. ideal. Mm. You know, you're going to take straw off the ground. It's, again, it's a good rotation to have around the farm. You know, it has, like, most of the land here at home hasn't seen any peas or caves in eight years now, and it's down to chopping straw and cover crops. So they're, they're supplying the nutrients to you? Yeah, supplying the nutrients, yeah. Yeah. Listen, look, you're not going to get it in the first year. It's not a one, it's, it's, it's a long-term. Yeah, and like, I, I think you made it the point off camera. It's a, it's a long-term strategy. It's not a, it's not a quick gain, so it, it could take a couple of years before you see the real benefits of it. Yeah, listen, thanks for that, Garrett. Jimmy, just moving over to you. I mean, again, you were talking about rat's tail fescue there, which is a grass that probably not a lot of people would be familiar with. You might just kind of give guys a few pointers how to control it and how, how to identify it, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's fairly uncommon here, really. Um, it's, a, it's an autumn germinate and weed, which, and it's a quite a shallow rooter as well. Uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why we don't see more of it, because a, a lot of lads are either plowing or they're, they're going deep cultivation with a grubber type machine. So um, it's a very, I suppose, it's a very narrow, um, tall grass weed. Um, the, the seed head on it for all just looks like a little bit like a, like a rat's tail where it gets its, uh, where it gets its uh, name from. From a control point of view, it's, it's generally an autumn germinator. So spring cropping is a good, a good option. Um, it's actually naturally tolerant to a lot of the ACCA's herbicides. So the likes of your Axel Pro, your, your Falcon and your Status Ultra, you're probably going to get very limited control with them, which is another thing to, to be mindful of. Um, uh, the other thing, I suppose, it, it, it has a relatively short uh, life. The seeds have a relatively short life in the seed bank, so two to three years. So if you can prevent seed return, you should find it, uh, you'll get control of it quite quickly. So it's, uh, And you're, you're, you're making the point there as well, Jimmy, and part of Garrett's uh, cultural control methods of it is a switch to spring cropping will reduce down the, 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 the well, it should help to reduce down the problem a little bit. 
Yeah, well, like spring cropping is, is a great option to have in your rotation. And, and Garrett, as Garrett and Mike were saying, having that bit of a flexibility to, to allow yourself to put in a spring crop where you have a high weed pressure, it's a great option to have because, again, you're sowing out of that germination period. The likes of spring barley is, is very competitive uh, and it'll help to prevent a lot, of these from, a lot of these weeds from germinating and from producing seed as well. So it's a good option to have. Yeah, and John, just over to you as well then. In, in County Loud, are you seeing much more uh, problems with grass weeds, not just sterile brome, but other grass weeds is up there as well? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there is uh, problems there with, with grass weeds, I suppose, um, probably more localised. Um, I suppose it's just down to maybe farmers being vigilant as to what they have, maybe walk their crops. Maybe now is a good time to get out and walk all your crops um, while grass weeds are there. I know we've, see, we've seen a bit of black grass. And I suppose it is important to get out and see that if you have it or don't have it, and now is the time to know that it's there um, to put in plan a place, put a place a plan for next year, and also maybe for for harvest time then maybe around machinery and, and machinery hygiene. And are, are, do you think are they new problems of emerging farms, or have they be always been there, but people are just more aware of them now than they would have been say in previous years? Uh, it's hard to say. It's, it's it's new problems to some extent, but probably have been there maybe in the past, but maybe people haven't been aware of it maybe in the past, maybe just maybe difficulty identify weeds. Uh, just maybe the, the weather this year seems to have maybe showed up the problem maybe a bit more and uh, maybe just that quick growth earlier there, earlier there in the in the summer or, or late spring. In the final part of the webinar, Conor O'Callaghan, a tillage advisor from Dublin, joined the rest of the panel, Jimmy, Gareth, Michael, John and Ivan. Shea first started by asking Jimmy about the distribution of black grass around the country. We did a survey. We tried to do a survey last winter just to try and get a handle on how much on how much black grass is in the country and whereabouts in the country it is. And Connor is probably in the worst affected area, the northeast or North Dublin, Loud and Mead would definitely have the, the highest level of, of case or populations that we're aware of. Uh, there's a problem there around sort of East Cork, down that way, up or down around Clomel and Tipperary. Uh, Kildare has its fair share of it as well. Um, we've come across another few cases here in in Wexford too this this year, and I think um, this year just seems to be a grass weed year. Like I've every day I'm getting a, getting another phone call now about a, a population of black grass that that's showing up in a field that it wasn't there last year, it wasn't there the year before, whatever it was. So it's um, it's very hard to get a handle on the exact numbers because unfortunately lads are. There's probably a combination of things. Some people just aren't aware of it. Some people don't know how to identify it. Some people know it's there and they don't want to admit it. And some lads are just continuous on regard, continue on regardless. Uh, even though you can see it, you might even see it from the road if you know what I mean. So there's, um, I think we're only we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the number of com- confirmed cases. I think there's an awful lot more of it around the country. And would you, would you be thinking that it's, uh, would you think that it's it's a, sh- a new problem or has it been there for a while? Do you think? I'd say it's going on a while. Um, you take our farmer from Waterford there who's involved in the project. He's had it since 2012. And I suppose he's a good example. Maybe you see something and you're not familiar with it and you don't think a whole lot of it. And it takes maybe takes a few years to realise what it is. And it gets to the case where, in his case, probably winter cropping wasn't wasn't viable. So I'd say there's, there's a number of cases going around since 2012. But some of the cases I've been in in the last couple, in the last few weeks, even like some of them are, some of them are long term. They're there three, four, five years, and then there's other lads who are who are actually just they're only after spotting it this year for the first time, and you can tell by the numbers in the field that this is a relatively new case. So it's actually still being spread around the place as well. Um, yeah. So, just from the point of view of black grass, um, Jimmy, I mean, Connor is at pains to point out there that it's not just herbicides alone that are going to control this problem. It's a, a full farm plan that's going, to, that, that's going to manage this problem and maybe not even eradicate it. 
what's the best approach guys should take if they see a field now where it's not practical to Rogan at the moment? What's the best plan of action? I think a zero tolerance approach really should be taken. Like you see um, where Connor had the field there in, in North Dublin where he, he got four tonne where it was unaffected and one and a half tonne where it was affected. Like those crops, the priority there should be preventing seed return. So you should do whatever is necessary to prevent seed return. So if it's not rogable, it should be whole cropped if possible. If there's a market there or in worst case scenario, it probably should be desiccated like the first farm that, that Connor was on in order to prevent that seed return because black grass can return. One single plant could be returning a thousand seeds you have 10 plants per meter squared across a hectare of land, you're looking at million seeds returned. You know, it's it's ability to produce seed and to get become a problem very quickly is massive. So number one is early identification. Preventing seed return will be the first thing. Uh, and then going after that, then, like in some cases where we saw, we'd probably be saying put it into grass and manage it that way for a few years in order to get the, the levels down. Uh, some lads don't want to do that for a number of different reasons, which is fair enough. So um, moving to spring cropping has been shown. If you look at some of the research in the UK, spring cropping has been shown to reduce levels of black grass by up to 80, between 80 and 90 percent just by moving to spring cropping in one season. But I suppose the key thing is you need you need to have about 97 percent control of black grass year on year in order to prevent the populations from increasing. And that's not going to be done by one single or even two measures. You're looking at a, a combination of two and three culture controls and then depending on what the resistance profile of the black rat is having a, a a planned herbicide strategy to help you top up that control and get the maximum control and connor mentioned a fairly astounding figure there jimmy of 1900 euros a hectare which has cost one of his farmers to date and that's not a finalized figure is that pretty typical of what they're seeing in the uk or around other parts of ireland yeah, I think if you break it down, like you're you're looking at the the one and a half ton, the, the two the two and a half ton uh, reduction in, in winter wheat. You look at he had to leave that fallow for a year. Uh, you even compare that to growing to growing a, a crop of spring barley. There's a serious uh, reduction in income. Um, stale seed beds, while relatively cheap, he's done four of them in one year. They were costing. Oh, probably 32, 30 odd euro an acre just to establish a sales seabed. Um, he's putting in winter oil seed rape. Like he's going to have to manage this year on a year until he gets to a case where he thinks he, he, he might, he's probably going to have to manage this for the rest of his life, really. It's very hard to get on, fully on top of it unless you're, unless you're absolutely preventing 100% seed return. There's no, way, he, there's no way to get on top of it. And I think even Connor made the point, I'm not sure whether you can still hear us, Connor, or you can come in, but he made the point on one farm where it was at rogable levels, he's still roguing that field eight or ten years after he first identified the problem yeah and that's that's the management thing like you, you just have to stay on it one one misstep or, or one missed opportunity to get control could lead you will set you back a year or two years in, from, a, from a control point of view so it's very 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 important to keep on top of that management to be able to roll out those plants because maybe a lot of those farmers didn't have herbicide resistance on those farms but that doesn't mean to say that that those populations won't develop resistance. Like if we've learned anything from the UK, there's over 90% of samples over there have ALS resistance now at this stage. And that's developing, that's increasing every year, if you know what I mean. So just because you have a, a, a susceptible population to a lot of the chemistry, you need to sort of protect the chemistry that you have there and be very, very mindful of what you're doing. Uh, you know, your rotation is key, alternating herbicides. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a huge amount to, to think about and to remember when it comes to controlling this stuff. It's not simple and it's not a one-year fix. And I presume key to all of this is farm hygiene in terms of what machinery comes in and goes out and seed and on all that and catch crops. I mean, we've even seen here in Oak Park this year where we've brought in a, a seed mixture that has contained blackgrass. So it's, it's, it's taking a farm hygiene approach, a whole farm hygiene approach is, is crucial to the whole thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So like it's more than just um, it's everything, I suppose, anything that's coming on your farm, you need to treat it as if it could be potentially introduced, not just back grass, but any type of grass weed or other weeds into your farm. So whether it be important, if you're importing seed, if you're, if you're even home saving seed, be very careful where you're home saving seed from. You want to be sure you have a clean field. Um, I think machinery is probably two of the biggest things you've, you've combined and, and balers. And I think in particular, big square balers. And I'd say we have an awful lot of farmers who were on here listening to this and, and they could probably say big square baler was responsible for bringing a certain grass weed onto their farm. And, and I'm getting it every every week. I'm hearing of a new case where a baler or, or a piece of machinery is, is, is the culprit for bringing a grass weed onto a farm. Which is probably um, slightly unfair to the contractor because they don't know going through a field whether it's there or not in the first place. So they're being blamed probably unfairly in, in many cases for, for spreading the problem because they're not aware of it yeah that's 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 a lot of it too like the big square baler's only coming in after the crop is cut he don't know what he don't know what was in that field before before he arrived in it um, i suppose the onus was probably on the farmer really to make people aware of what the problem is if there was a problem grass within the farm and uh, you know you need to be it's easy for me to say it now and, and the sunshine out there but uh, cleaning down these machines before they leave the field is 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 really really important when it comes to preventing the spread of these weeds Okay, just a couple of questions just to move it around, Jimmy. Uh, thanks for that. Just Michael on your on your farm question here from Jeremy. Are you finding that the margins are creating problems with the crows that they're able to break down barley and get into winter barley easy? Um, not any more than they would anyway. Um, they're well able to make their way in regardless of whether there's a margin there or not. So no, it doesn't cause any any issues that way. Um, and to uh, Garrett, um, in your experience where you have oilseed rape in the in your rotation, what's the best cover crops to use? I presume mustards are, you have to be very careful where you put mustards in those rotations. Yeah, mustards and radish, look, they're all brassicas like oilseed rape. So, look, I wouldn't exclude them, but I've often put in a half a kilo hectare of radish in a mix but once you have a good diverse cover crop, you're not going to really cause any trouble long term for uh rape down the line with club roof. It happened years ago with uh, we saw the headland with spring rape just as a, as a cover crop. We were sowing spring, it was a field of spring barley that, this, uh, that failed, the headland failed. And two years later, we sowed winter oilseed rape. And it was just that headland where the spring rape was, was riddled with club roof. But that was just a single species on its own. So I think once you have a bit of diversity, you're going to, you know, you're stepping away from the soil problems, soil-borne disease problems. Thanks, thanks for that, Gard. Jimmy, as you can imagine, black grass is kind of dominating the questions that are coming at the moment. So, a couple of questions here are kind of along similar themes. Um, where black grass or crops infested with black grass are whole cropped, can the seed follow through in farmyard manure or slurry, or you know, can can imported slurries be a source of infection? Uh, I should look. It's very hard to say for certain whether whether black grass seeds are going to survive through the whole cropping process, the fermentation in the pit, and then through the rumen as well. Um, it's not uncommon for the likes of dock seeds and stuff to survive through that. I haven't seen any research to say yay or nay either way. Um, so I couldn't comment for for 100 either way. But look, if you're if you're getting straw into your farm, um, and it's coming from a farm where there's black grass, it's going to survive in the bedding. Uh, and potentially it's going to go out in the farm manure. So it's just, it's, I suppose, really being aware of where, where you're taking in these products from, from is, there potentially, is there the potential for black grass to be in them? And if there is, 
you're, you're you have to be aware that you're taking a risk importing them but i suppose like a lot of maybe tillage farmers if you're selling dung if you're selling straw and you're wanting to take in dung try and take dung back from the farm where you sold a straw to because so you're guaranteed it's clean for instance from a whole crop point of view um if you're whole cropping winter wheat there is a chance that some of the seeds may be viable and may survive whereas with with winter barley you're cutting it that little bit early you probably will have viable seeds in that whole crop but again whether they're going to last through the fermentation process in the pit and then through the rumen of the of the of the animal that is that's digesting it i couldn't give you a solid answer on that okay and uh two last questions are kind of a similar question uh, how likely is it that blackgrass arrive from imported seed be it red label seed or bird seed mixtures or those type of things uh i should look it's <sighs> If you look, if we're importing red label seed, it's in the legislation. There's a tolerance for grass weeds in those in those um, in those um, in those seeds seed lots. So there's a tolerance. It doesn't matter whether it's black grass or brown, whatever it is, but there's a tolerance written into the into the into the, the pro or the requirements or whatever. So it it's it's possible. Like unless you can actually go out and find the weed in the row after sowing. You can't tell for sure 100% either way whether it came in or not. Like you, you really need to find it that year it came in to be able to say for sure whether it came in the seed or it came in another way. Uh, so the potential is there. Uh, again, it comes back to being aware of where your seeds is coming from. Like the the ASTA and the seed trade here are very good. There's a zero tolerance for all these weeds. I think that's a very, very important thing to remember. Like if you're getting Irish native Irish seed, there should be no possibility of any of these weeds coming in really, but it's when you're importing maybe red label seed from the UK or whatever, it's just very important to be aware of that, that there is potentially the, uh, there is the potential for black grass or other weed seeds to be in those, pro- in those, uh, in those seed lots. Okay. And Connor, I think you've swapped Jay, seats um, there with Ivan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after technology has let me down. You, you've you've zoomed, you've zoomed into Ivan's office. I see. Um, just a quick question for you. Just how difficult was it to get for farmers to implement the strategies that you designed for them on the farms? Were the, did it take a lot of convincing or did they just go ahead and do it? Um, well, basically, they saw the problem that black grass could uh, inflict on them. So with, the, with what, they, what they saw could happen from other farms, um, it was a no-brainer to them that they had to do something and they had to act, they had to act fast. They had to act fast, have a zero tolerance approach. And the big thing is identify the weed. If at all you're suspicious or you think you may have uh, black grass, just pick up the phone and either ring your advisor or ring Jimmy or ring myself to come out and identify it, get the seed tested, and then put the plan in, put the plan in place. Because there's no point bolting the door and the horse gone because I've had farmers that had to put fields back into grass. It's, it was the only answer. So it's, it's the quick... Get out there, get it, get it identified uh, quick. Put the plan in place, get the seed tested, and um, and and go from there. And uh, one final question. I know we're gone slightly over time now, but um, how important was it to to get that grass, to get the black grass tested, to know which herbicides worked on it? Because people tend to rely on herbicides, but it's a whole strategy approach rather than just a herbicide. But resistance well, it, testing is key. It's, it's key and VJ and David and uh, Jimmy Ballone Oak Park are doing great work with the seed testing. We get them this, the, the good viable. It's, it's a key, very important to make sure that we get the good viable seeds for the test. And that's where we come in as to, to collect the samples or the farmer can collect them, collect the sample and send, send them down there. If you get the profile 
of the population that you have in the field. And then you put your plan in place going forward then from the following spring after the seed has been tested. And then we put your f five to six year or even further plan in place of alternating the chemistries, come up with the different strat strategies of uh, what we, what we uh, can use to hopefully between IPM strategy and chemical control to reduce the levels of blackgrass and stop it, stop it spreading and stop it becoming a major problem. Okay, thanks for that, Connor. Jimmy, last word to you then. You're, in terms of the ECT project, where do we go from here in terms of grass weed control? Uh, we're, I, think, uh, I think what we're seeing on, on some of the farms, uh, we're seeing uh, it's, it's very positive. Uh, we're, we're definitely seeing, look, regardless of what your establishment system is, grass weed control is achievable in, in, in a practical way. And a lot of it is to do, with, as Garrett and Michael both say, it's, it's improving knowledge, it's increasing awareness, it's, been, it's, it's, the, it's the management, it, it's been on, on it the whole time. You know, there's no real room for, for, for let up on it. But... Uh, but it, it is very achievable. And I would say anybody who has a question and it mightn't have been answered today or there was something that they wanted to discuss, just pick up the phone. My contact details are all on the website. If there's something they want to discuss, it doesn't matter what it's about, just give me a ring or send me an email and, and I'll do my best to, to have a chat with you about that. So that's it for the tillage edge and my thanks to Shay and all the panel, especially the farmers, Michael and Garrett for the contribution. The full webinar with videos from the farms can be viewed on the Chagas Crops YouTube page. The final ECT webinar takes place on Tuesday, July the 6th at 11.30am. It centres around farmers in the south with a focus on Italian ryegrass, blackgrass and bromes. And here's from those farmers who are practising plough, mintail and no-till systems. So finally, don't forget, if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargers.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.